Howdy y'all, and welcome to the last mini-bonus Christmas episode in our 12 Days of Christmas Horrors. So today, we're covering a rather roughly-treated old gem that's been censored probably more times than almost anything else, and has just survived by the skin of its slasher teeth. It's the obscure red exploitation splatter film, Scalps. An aged archaeologist digs up a fragment of something near a cave mouth and polishes it when a strange vision of a lion's head appears. He appears to struggle with the knife as he's holding and cuts his own throat. Meanwhile, Professor Macken is about to embark on an expedition to the desert when his secretary bursts his bubble, explaining that he has work due. Macken's students have his permission to go ahead without him, so they head off with a map that he's given them. At a gas station, a Native American called Billy warns the group about digging near black trees, cautioning that many natives were slaughtered there years ago and they still roam the land. When they arrive at the camp, Louise and DJ notice that an eagle has followed them for a long time, with DJ having strange visions since they've arrived. After spending the night, the group heads out to scout a digging location and happen upon the black trees that Billy warned them about, DJ freaks out and tries to warn the group that this will only anger the spirits of the dead, but they don't listen to her. Ellen, Louise and Randy go out for a walk, while Kershaw and Ben discover that some of their artefacts are bleeding inexplicably. Ellen leaves Louise and Randy to head back, only to be pursued by a strange apparition with a lion's head. As she returns to camp, mysterious sounds of drums and chanting fills the hills, frightening Louise and Randy. They head back to camp only to encounter a campfire that emanates coldness before exploding in Randy's face. He begins to act very strangely afterwards. He begins to act very strangely afterwards, culminating in him raping Louise before cutting her throat and scalping her graphically. Leading the others to her body, Randy disables the car before leaving again, entrusting DJ with the amulet that he was wearing. The next day, DJ explained that Black Claw has returned, a Native American outlaw who practiced black magic. 
Ben heads out to find another vehicle, but is attacked by a deteriorated Randy, who chops off the back of his skull with a flint axe. Using Ben's voice, Randy lures Ellen out into the desert and shoots her multiple times with an old bow and arrow. Kershaw takes the rifle and goes out to look for her, but is attacked by Randy. Gaining the upper hand, Kershaw bludgeons him in the head and finally shoots him dead, the corpse reverting back to Randy's normal look. Kershaw calls out to DJ, informing her that she's safe, but he's suddenly grabbed from behind and decapitated with a trowel. Professor Mackin finally arrives the next day and attempts to enter the main tent, just before he is shot in the eye with an arrow. Inside the tent, DJ sits, possessed by Blackclaw, and surrounded by the corpses of her friends. Hey, look at this. What? Arrowheads. So? So we can buy some and save ourselves a lot of digging. Don't be silly. Dr. Mackin would never fall for such an obvious trick. Well, it's something to think about. Dumb, Randall. Really dumb. We're going to dig. No. No, we're not going to dig. Don't lie. I heard you. You're too young. Too young to know. So what, Gramps? I must sit. I'm Billy Ironwing. So, uh, what is it we don't know? Black trees. Don't go there. It's a bad, bad place. Many years ago, a hundred, many Indians killed there. Big battle. All dead. And then they became part that's it? Shit, that's probably where he hides it still. <laughs> the black trees. Well, we've got to get moving. I think we're almost ready to go. Following in the Red Indian themes of Toby Hooper's Poltergeist, Scalps is a much more splattery effort from Fred Olin Ray, which has a gaggle of teenagers going out into the desert to collect buried artefacts for their college professor. It's one of those films that was definitely made on the cheap, but actually achieved something fairly memorable. Having said that, it certainly does have its problems too. Director Olin Ray wrote the script in just 24 hours, balancing his typewriter on a suitcase as he didn't even have a desk at the time that he made the film. He was struggling financially at the time and needed to make a quick buck, so the idea came into his head from a colleague, Donald G. Jackson, that he wanted to make a horror movie on the cheapest budget possible, personally describing it as six kids, a station wagon and a tent. Filming was exclusively on weekends, and the shoot concluded in just a few months, mostly taking place in Agua Dulce, California. Of course, due to the low budget, the crew had no permits to shoot on the locations that they'd chosen, and they were quickly pursued by the landowners and told to hop it. Thankfully, the crew came across a small ranch where a family called the Alfreys lived. It was seemingly the only place around, and the property extended for several miles around the house. 
When Olin Ray introduced himself and explained what he was doing, the family were only too happy to let him use their property for the film. Olin Ray explained that they were so helpful that they let the crew use their power outlets for their equipment, provided restroom facilities, and even cooking for the crew multiple times. To cut costs even further, the crew and camera equipment were rotated due to cheap rentals, so the film stock as well was of varying quality for each shot. Filming was relatively stress-free, with the exception of Joanne Robinson, who was seriously ill at the time of shooting, causing some delays with filming. But in other instances, there were some happy accidents, such as the film's black trees. Not really a part of the original script, they were worked into the film when a brush fire near the ranch caught the trees and charred them black. Also not part of the script was Louise's rape scene, in which a possessed Randy sexually assaults her before slitting her throat, and in one of the goriest sequences, scalps her completely. The scene was added in on demand of the distributor, which Olin Ray himself stated that he would never normally film such a scene. Some of the effects, though, were rather more primitive, such as the possessed Randy wearing a latex mask that was glued on, while the head exploding in the mysteriously cold campfire was achieved by simply firing at it with a shotgun. The film, while cheap and a little bit schlocky, does genuinely have something. Apart from the cinematography, which alternately makes the film feel like it's swelteringly hot and on fire during the day scenes, but freezing cold on the night scenes, the varying quality of film stock, especially during the violent bits, it still feels of the VHS era, lending it a grungy, dirty feel that most modern films don't have anymore in the DVD era. Unfortunately, not many of the cast appeared in anything else other than this film, something which doesn't really help the already major obscurity. Joanne Robinson, who played the protagonist DJ, she's made some minor appearances in modern films like Big Bad Love in 2001 or The Devil's Dolls in 2016, but Richard Hench, who played Randy, and by proxy Black Claw, has probably the most diverse career. Not only has he appeared in multiple films, one of which is the slasher picture Slaughterhouse Rock, but he's been a producer, a production designer, assistant director, set decorator, and a major player in the art department of various films. But the only real actors of note in Scalps are relegated to cameos. Kirk Allen, the original Clark Kent, and by proxy Superman, plays Professor Markin, who appears at the beginning and the end of the film. Originally, Robert Quarry was meant to portray him, and then Aldo Ray. Director Lawrence D. Foldes, director of video nasty Don't Go Near the Park, was reportedly holding Aldo Ray's contact information behind a paywall, so Fred Olin Ray refused to give him money and ended up getting Alan instead. Carol Borland, who's famous for her role as Luna in Mark of the Vampire, appears as the professor's secretary, while the creator of Famous Monsters of Filmland, Forrest J. Ackerman, plays one of the Professor's acquaintances. He also had a cameo in the video nasty The Aftermath, as well as the New Zealand splatstick classic Braindead, which is known in America as Dead Alive. Fred Olin Ray went on to direct the hilarious Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, and has since accrued a large repertoire of direct-to-video movies of varying genres and styles. One can say that while it was made on the cheap, Scalps gave Olin Ray one of his first steps on the ladder to being quite a successful director. T.L. Banks worked as a producer on the film, as well as the pyrotechnics and some of the writing. He'd later go on to be a producer on the Amazon original series Bosch in 2015-2016. to 
Associate producer Tim McCanleys went on to become a writer, with credits including the children's animation The Iron Giant, as well as several episodes of Smallville. While the people had three people work on music, the only one who did anything well-known afterwards was Drew Newman, who worked not only on the sound department of Evil Dead 2 and Disney's Beauty and the Beast, he also composed the soundtracks of popular kids' shows like The Wild Thornberries and The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Cynthia Webster was the cinematographer back when she was known as Brett Webster, and she transitioned in the mid-2000s. She had only one other work of note, really, working on the visual effects of Star Trek, the motion picture, in 1979. The special effects of the film, though, are arguably the film's greatest asset, with an infamous scalping sequence, a head clubbing, and a very Friday the 13th-esque decapitation, complete with spasming hands. One of them... R. Christopher Briggs worked on a variety of films like Galaxy of Terror, the video nasty film Mausoleum, Teen Wolf, Critters 1 and 2, Silent Night Deadly Night Part 2, Friday the 13th Part 6, Nightmare on Elm Streets Part 3 to 5, Ghoulies, and even relatively modern pictures too like Donnie Darko, Demolition Man, and Bicentennial Man. John McCallum, another special effects guy, went to work on Surf Nazis Must Die and Phantasm 2, while arguably the most successful of the three was Bart Mixon, who ended up working on far too many popular films to name in one sentence. But some of the highlights are Stephen King's It, the TV movie, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Men in Black 2, the US remake of The Ring, Cat in the Hat, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Angels and Demons, Oz the Great and Powerful, Insidious 3, Captain America's Civil War, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And he's actually currently working on the new Avengers Infinity War film. Who'd have thought he'd start off on a film like Scalps? The film did modestly well with its contemporary slashes when it was released in the cinemas, though it wasn't well received by the critics, with Siskel and Ebert being particularly negative, describing the editing as being done with a tomahawk. And at the time, director Fred Olin Ray would have agreed with them too, as he angrily discovered that the distributor had recut the film without his knowledge, with scenes added out of context as flashbacks, which gave away major spoilers like what Black Hole looked like, and revealing the fates of certain characters way before their actual deaths. It also messed up the continuity and made the film's beginning very hard to follow. The bizarre lion head that is featured on the finished print was also just test footage that wasn't meant to be included in the film at all, making the director extremely irritated at the treatment of his film. It did have a re-release on VHS in the UK in the mid-80s, but there's no BBFC information available about which print was actually used. It's highly likely, though, that it was censored due to various VHSs of the film being trimmed and cut all over the world. For its US release, the VHS cut out a lot of dialogue and expository scenes to fit the film on a single tape with the video nasty The Slayer, which also suffered dialogue losses of its own. The editing of the film was so severe that when the film was passed uncut by 88 Films in 2016, the print used had to be cobbled together from different sources, including a censored German VHS master, a Canadian master, and the American VHS. And even in this version, which is the best available, there's a lot of print damage still evident, making it a grand relief that the film even still exists at all.
And that was Scalps, and it's the last of our Christmas horror bonuses, people. So we're back on normal track now. The next episode that you'll see from us will be our seasonal slashes episode, which will be released on Boxing Day. Now, I do hope you've enjoyed the surplus of material, but thank you very much for listening, and if I don't hear from you all next time, then have a very, very wonderful Christmas, and I'll speak to you on Boxing Day. Goodbye! (laughs) 